0: that everybody who cares about ideas or freedom should be wrestling with. Culminators, welcome again. I have a very different kind of guest today. You think I say that all the time, but I'm always right when I say it. I want to tell you about Candace. um, You might have seen me on Twitter. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, that I have a Twitter account. It's something that I spent a lot of time um, doing. And just to give you a little familiarity with that, um, how do you go home? Oh, yeah, it's my, my profile. And, uh, you know, look, I, I'm pretty successful on Twitter for a regular guy. I got all these followers. And I have to admit, sometimes, you, you know, you see, you check your followers from time to time. And sometimes when you have a lot of followers, you check to see, you can't see this actually on the desktop, but on the um, mobile, you can see if you've got a new verified fi- follower. And those are often interesting because they're people who, sometimes they're nothing. Sometimes they're people with 2000 followers who once wrote for a magazine. Nobody understands the system, but I see um, a very interesting looking name um, has followed me. And I go to uh, check out the profile. And it didn't look quite like this at the time. It wasn't quite as confusing. But I see, first of all, somebody with a trademark registration symbol after her name. That intrigues me. That's going to intrigue me. Now, I also see that the it's a woman and she's attractive. That's intriguing too, but as a, you guys know me, the trademark thing was at least as intriguing. It turns out that Eva Lovia has a very, very big following and she describes herself as a centerfold. It's 2022. I will... I will end the melodrama. Candace, (laughs) welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. (laughs) How did you, what made you follow this old Jewish bald (laughs) guy on Twitter and make me uh, understand that there's somebody out there named Candace who is also Eva. Eva.
1: I know, it's really confusing. I can't remember the the thread or the chain of tweets that inspired me to hit that something follow. Something brilliant, though. But it was something good. And I was like, this guy <laughs> seems like he's tweeting some important thoughts or some unique thoughts. So I, I gave you a follow. I So I'm pretty selective. I only follow like 600 people. Um, You're more
0: selective than I am. I actually am jealous of, of that. I, I think mean, it's with, so and,
1: important who you follow and like what you digest. Do you know what I mean?
0: It is. First of all, I once asked a really well-known, I guess it was Dana Loesch. She follows like a gazillion people. And she had, which is still a small, small fraction of the gazillion people who follow her. But I said, does it does it mean anything to you to follow people? She said, no, not, not really. That's the problem. It's, mm-hmm. it's not that I want to be a snob. I want my timeline to be meaningful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I have to be selective. Exactly. Sometimes I'll be selective just on the basis of someone having 400,000 followers as you do, because unless they also have 400,000 that they're following, because that that's not such a great accomplishment then. Mm-hmm. But you seem to have some very interesting views about free speech and censorship. And I've, you know, I did a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. Stop that. <laughs> Nice things I'm allowed to do. Eva, tell, tell my listeners about your career. So, you know, now that we explained that there's a euphemism. Sure.
1: Sure. So um, I've spent a good portion of my career in the adult industry um, even though it is 2022, 2022 I have been a centerfold in a lot of the a lot of prominent magazines and that's just something that's a little bit easier to digest as far as a headline than something else
0: um,
1: <laughs> I kind of I left the industry started self-producing started a podcast and I just I like sharing thoughts having conversations and seeing where this little evolution kind of goes
0: now you also have, accounts under your real name yes what's your what's the strategy here I see I did notice I think maybe when I first when you first followed me this goes back probably six months ago or Mm -hmm. eight months ago that you were the podcast was just starting but it was called chatting with Candace Mm -hmm. and that was already and in fact there are two Candace Horbitz's Horbitch's one one of them has, I mean, they're both much, much smaller accounts. Mm-hmm. And is one of them like for the podcast in particular, or what's the story? What's so I kind of
1: just took the handles to try to take control of my identity essentially, because there's so many catfish accounts out there. And un- like, unfortunately the stories that I hear, because people write to me all the time after they go through this, they're really sad and it sucks that people have to go through them. So it's just trying to take control of the narrative. Um, and then it's you spend all of this time building this very large social platform, so you don't want to completely abandon it. So it's like if I can – if I can post my new projects that I'm working on, even though it's under my real name, I'm still going to use that to push it. It just seems like there's going to be a natural crossover. And of course, some people are going to think that I'm not qualified or what does she think that she's doing, but it's my platform to do with what I would like. Right. the Um, People
0: will decide whether they find what you have to say interesting or not.
1: Right. And they can always unfollow or whatever they want to do. If they disagree with what I'm saying or
0: doing. You are obviously maintaining though. And I, you know, I see there's, you're still tweeting on a regular basis. You're, um, you're still maintaining the, the brand account and you've got the great registered trademark, which is a very wise thing to do when you have a stage name. Thank you. Um, well, thank your lawyer for advising you to do it, I assume. <laughs> I noticed that you, and I listened to some of your podcast material because I said, okay, so is she just merely another pretty face? Because I don't have that against you if you do. Just as I, you know, I also got, people first started listening to me because of my looks. I get that, I get that. (laughs) Uh But I I felt that I earned the loyalty eventually. And now people see me for what I am now. Mm -hmm. A completely, you know, completely rounded personality and not just another pretty face. But what I noticed is that you actually seem to to be very, insightful and very thoughtful first of all we see that you followed me right so, <laughs> right
1: so there shows some good good signs of critical thinking right
0: well I mean the fact is so in, in all seriousness somebody who has 400,000 followers and follows 599 not even 600 <laughs> 599 people is discriminating Um. I saw a podcast interview with you fairly a very recent one not the whole thing I don't listen to podcasts I don't have the patience for this stuff <laughs> the reason I do it is because people told me they wanted me to do it um, where you were talking about and this is gonna hopefully get us into our main topic here mm-hmm. the fact that you're even though you're maintaining the brand, mm-hmm. you are trying to spread out, maybe not a best choice the worst. You're trying to, <laughs> you're, you're trying to, um, To uh, what's it called? To have a, a, a um, the portfolio is, um, what do you call it? You have a whole bunch of things in your portfolio to have. Diversifying. Diversifying your portfolio, right? That, that was really just an IQ test to see if you're, you. Know, <laughs> small I as pass? I, you <laughs> I, I didn't. But <laughs> um, you had, you found that you thought you had a deal and then all of a sudden someone did some due diligence on you and mm-hmm. after several hours of intensive research, somebody decided that that they didn't feel comfortable, you know, I guess I can't say getting into bed uh, <laughs> either. Um, First of all, do you have a big problem during in podcasts with double entendres? That must be a, a tremendous, or maybe just most people they, they just move on and they, they, just, they don't honestly. Give.
1: I feel like they just kind of manifest themselves. I don't know if it, I think most of the time <laughs> it's not even intentional. They just kind of happen. Well, it, it, I don't it wasn't.
0: Mind. No, it absolutely. And that's the thing. Yeah. No, but you. So you. So, so it was fascinating to me what you said because you spoke about understanding the decision mm-hmm. and being accountable for your own choices. And I just forget about someone who's a former or an actual or present. I don't actually know what the status is, but someone who's done the the work that you have done and and Mm -hmm. perhaps still do. Anyone under the age of 40 who acknowledges personal responsibility and, and that other people may make uh, judgments about their Moral choices is 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 astonishing to me. Where'd you get that? (laughs) Uh, Did your mom raise you good? Oh,
1: my mom and I have an evolving relationship. Oh,
0: talk about euphemisms!
1: Yeah, we have an evolving relationship. I I love I love her, but it's uh, I didn't I never had the best modeling. We'll say in a lot of areas of my life, but um, I think I love I lived my life a lot of the times blaming a lot of other people for things and being very angry. And I think that's very normal. You see that a lot, especially in my generation and younger generations. And then it's just realizing, Do I? does this benefit me? Is this serving me? Do I want to constantly feel this way? And what can I control? And I can't control anybody else. I can only control how I react and how I show up in those situations. Um, I think when it comes to like my decisions career-wise, I mean, I got in so young. You don't understand the gravity of that situation on even a surface level when you get in in your teens or your early 20s. So it would be really easy to say, well, you know, I was young and how dare you guys hold this over my head and I can't take it off the internet, blah, blah, blah. But no, I was an adult and I made a very conscious decision and, you know, it it panned out for me. I love the life that I have now. And I do recognize that that has permanently closed a lot of doors. And I think the thing that people kind of don't see is i still have a right to be disappointed like that's well in the scope of my reality like i can say this sucks this is something i really wanted and i worked hard to get and i i lost this opportunity strictly because of um our values don't align but i have to understand that i can't force my values on someone else just like i wouldn't want them to force them on me
0: that's a um an extraordinary thing to hear in the 20s first century, much less from somebody so young, and also from someone who comes up on the short end of of that calculus because it's generally the other way around these days. And usually people who have made poor decisions are the ones requiring everyone else to live with the poverty of their decision-making. What was it that made you understand this? Not when you made the choice, but in other words, you said there was obviously a period in your life when you were that angry girl. Mm -hmm. Something happened. Someone happened. What was the change?
1: I think it's always a million little things that kind of add up.
0: And it has to, to some extent, be hardwired. You have to have the capability and you have to, you know, to some extent it could be intellectual. Some people really do figure things out. But I'm sure you've got something. Some... just getting grown up
1: i yeah i think that's part of it right is growing up i think part of it is your social circles who you surround yourself with i'm really fortunate i mean my husband is like one of the best people i've ever met in my life and he's been like a really important influence on me um i also was going through a lot of health issues at the time like a lot of autoimmune stuff and I was reading a lot of like spiritual books and looking at more natural alternative ways of healing, and a lot of what was what I was digesting was how important your mindset is and all of this. So like Dr. Joe Dispenza talks a lot about um, kind of creating your own reality, and if you're constantly in this this place if you want to call it a vibration or just this energy of anger and hatred and blame you're going to get sick so it's a matter of lightening that load and then kind of healing yourself from the inside out and then as that progressed it's just more serendipity starts to happen in your, in your life you start meeting better mentors you start finding content that's really healthy for you um, so it's just like this very slow evolution that just like me as a person has gone through in order to fix the things I didn't like that were happening in my life.
0: Have you picked up that there's a lot of that going around in this country today?
1: The ev- oh. evolution? The anger. Oh, the anger for sure. Yeah. The anger
0: <laughs> as a way of life, as, as, as a, as a um, presumptive way of expressing oneself and relating to other people
1: because it's so easy it's so easy to be angry and it's so easy if it's not your fault because then you, you can't be challenged to show up you can't be responsible if you fail everything's out of your hands and to me that's to choose that i guess it's one of those like you don't know you what you don't know but at some level, that's what you want. It's it's serving you in some way. So you have to figure out well, why is that? And then do you want to continue that trajectory? Because it's not healthy. And as someone, again, who had a ton of health issues, I can tell you it's going to catch up to you 100%.
0: These were health issues that arose because of the way of life you were living? And the yeah, I would say just
1: stress in general. And I think um, when you're constantly surrounding surrounding yourself with like negative people and you're chasing the wrong things and your mindset is always just negative, negative, negative that takes a toll on your body. There's no question about it. So specifically, like I have Graves' disease, which is a thyroid autoimmune thyroid issue, and a lot of um, like spiritual people think it's it's either trauma or like stress related, and like at some point it's one of those things that just kind of drips, and then eventually it just implodes after you know you've the last straw on the camel's back, if if we can say that. So, um, and it made sense for me, like all of it made sense, and I was like, okay, well if I can start mitigating my stress levels controlling the content that I'm consuming, maybe change the way that I'm perceiving life, like things will get better. And 100% my thyroid's like in remission. It's been in remission for probably eight years now. I'm a lot healthier, a lot happier. The way that I see the world is different. The way that I interface with the world is different. Um, And it just starts internally.
0: When you say I was, I changed the kind of content I was consuming. Mm -hmm. We're mostly consuming i mean we're both creators mm-hmm. i suppose but even a very large percentage of our time is spent consuming because we we have to learn what the modalities of creativity are how, how mm-hmm. people present themselves and plus there's a, there are a lot of really creative and interesting people out there and you want to and you want to enjoy their work so consumption consumer in a, in, a, in a time where virtually none of us have to do manual labor mm-hmm. for information you know we sell information and Words in my case. What was the change that you made, if you go, if you don't mind saying, in the consumption of, what, of entertainment?
1: So again, I, I mean, I again, it's going to be like a, a million little things. But for example, I used to love horror films and scary movies, and I was super into it. And come to find out, those things actually suppress your immune system. Like, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but it's no. it's pretty much, like, non-disputed. If you watch horror films, your brain can't distinguish that it's happening on the screen. Like, if you see this tiger mauling someone, you actually feel like it's happening. Um you want to say something?
0: No, that's fascinating to me. because You know, so I grew up watching a lot of TV.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Late 60s, early 70s kid. And I came home from school and watched TV. And... God played a little trick on me so that I would grow eventually but much later in my life than you did and enabled me to get through school and do very well without having to do a lot of work until I it hit the it hit the fan but I I made a change in my life as a, as a young adult maybe not so different from the age when you did and I became re- religious I became an orthodox Jew and I stopped watching TV mm. and After years of not of of this, and you know, I realized that I would just sit and watch TV slack-jawed. And I realized then that watching any kind of violence on screen is so incredibly traumatic if you're normal, if you haven't become immune to it, and that things that I watched when I was a kid, I couldn't possibly watch now. Mm-hmm. same and it's an, it's, an, it's the same thing right mm-hmm. now that i imagine that must also be true with uh with, with pornography or with a, what we call adult entertainment i mean a person can lose his sensibility his sensitivity to the fact that there's another human being involved in sexual behavior by s- seeing these fantasies played out with real people so that it looks like something that in other words there's a person's sensibilities can get screwed up True? I think we think do so?
1: I think we do that across social media in general so I'm not saying that doesn't happen with, oh, with adult film or with oh, no. pornography but like yeah, yeah. if you look at Twitter people the things that people will say to on Instagram oh, right. it's horrifying
0: I you know I hear this I don't have a very big Instagram account but I have heard from other people that they you know people with, with much bigger presences, how busy they are with, because, you know, those of you who like Ron Coleman are not a big Instagram guy. It is people, the messaging on Instagram is private. Mm-hmm. And that tends to actually, mostly private. And it tends to make it worse. It's actually, because it's not even the case that people are interta- are showing off. They're messaging you, not, not me, because, but people that I hear who are disagreed with you get really abusive stuff mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, please go on. So, so yeah, you were saying that the, the, well, the, So there's this null, this, this numbing effect in your humanity.
1: Yeah. I think the screens just do that. I think that the screens are dehumanizing and, I think where we the hang-up is, is we focus on one thing, and a lot of times there's an agenda behind it. So we'll say, well, porn is ruining the way that we um, interact with one another. And it's like, sure, but so is everything else. So what else is the issue? I think the issue is that we're not spending face-to-face time. We don't – we never – learned or we're not getting practice at having conversations and difficult conversations at that we're not learning to respect each other if we don't agree down the line it it doesn't make sense to me so um there's this constant attack that's on the adult industry all of the time and it's not perfect by any 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 stretch but neither is instagram or facebook right like they're purposely trying to monetize you the user and not to your benefit
0: well, that's right. I mean, I, I you know, one, one of the things that we are constantly trying to uh, explain to judges, they, they really don't care. They don't get it. Um, judges are when, when, oftentimes when we, when we challenge the behavior of social media companies, they'll say, well, look, you're, you know, uh, you don't pay for it. So you don't really have, what do you mean pay for it? I'm not the customer. I'm the product. Exactly. Yeah. And as a consumer, I should be entitled to the same protection that any consumer is when he walks into a business environment, which is not to have his life screwed up. Um, but that's, that's, that's a little bit different topic. You've been treated well by social media, obviously. Have you ever, have, have you ever gotten any kind of warning from the, from the powers that be about any kind of content?
1: Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. So Instagram stuff. Yeah. And I'm, I post I don't post anything explicit, so I'm very, um, I'm a very big proponent of paywalls. I think all explicit content should be behind a paywall. I don't think that you know an eight-year-old kid should be able to grab a phone and just see something without any context. I don't think that's okay. So I'm very conscientious of what of what I post. So, for example, on Twitter my account is shadow banned and I can't get a hold of anyone to fix it. So what happens is if you type in my name or my handle, it pushes you to my catfish who are posting explicit material, who are scamming people out of tons of money and it's redirecting these people to dangerous accounts. So what they're trying to do is, quote, like protect the user experience. But what they're actually doing is endangering the the users by shadow banning me. And if you go through my entire timeline, there's no nudity. It's mostly my thoughts. It's PG photos like I'm not promoting anything explicit it's my podcast it's my podcast in my brain so it's like well what are you doing here like what are you really doing and then the same with instagram is i get stuff that's flagged all the time meanwhile you can have a kardashian that's showing everything in a sheer top but that's okay right there's such a double standard and let's not forget
0: she got famous
1: from making an adult film so it's like where are we pretending to get off here
0: I'm looking at your timeline and what I imagine Twitter doesn't like isn't pretty pictures of a pretty lady. It's Jordan Peterson (laughs) and Gad Saad. Probably. Uh, You seem to, I mean, look, if you followed me this long, you must be someone who politically isn't at least offended by a conservative point of view.
1: No, certainly not
0: are you a conservative yourself?
1: I feel like that's such a hard thing to answer. I would say I definitely lean right, for sure. There's things I disagree with when it comes to more of the traditional religious side of conservatism, because I don't I really don't believe in censorship across the board. So I don't think you can say, um, yell at big tech for censoring people and voices that are on your side, but at the same time, you're trying to censor adult content. So I think we have to have the same rules for everybody. And again, I think there should be paywalls. I'm not saying there's no issues that that need to be addressed, but I'm saying, right, right like if, you, if your whole motto is anti-censorship, then like, let's stick to that.
0: Well, you might actually, you know, I, I, I had a discussion with, uh the brilliant Harvard Law School professor, uh, Adrian Vermeule, who, if to the extent that my shadow band timeline ever gets through to you, you might notice I tweet him frequently. And one of the things we talked about was f- the First Amendment and free speech and censorship and how pornography, and that's a legal definition, mm-hmm. is has traditionally been um a category that was not protected speech Mm -hmm. and then about 30 years ago the supreme court it was less than 30 issued an opinion saying that child porn that 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 simulated child pornography basically you know sims or animation type stuff was not pornography because the performers were not real people. Now that has nothing to do with the definition of pornography because the definition of pornography is supposed to be that it, that it appeals to the prurient interest, which is of course an incredibly vague. I mean, that's the problem with the pornography definition is that it's incredibly vague. Mm. And we want to get back to that in a second. Um, it has, in other words, it has never had to do with the consent issue or harm to the performers issue uh in fact that i would think would be a harmful standard for the adult industry because there are probably a lot of people looking back on their careers as adult performers who could identify really wretched personal experiences that they had in connection with a particular production would you agree
1: oh for sure and a lot of the times i think maybe you don't realize as it's happening because it it all it's all a blur almost and it you might have to remove yourself from that culture essentially to say oh now that i'm a few paces back that wasn't really okay for sure
0: and you actually pretty much have i mean you're selling whatever you're selling now it's it's your business right your decisions Mm -hmm. it's your stuff exactly But, you know, there's also this question of the vagueness. Um, Do you think there's, assuming again, consent all around Mm -hmm. and health and sanitation and all the good things, is there no line you think that that we should ever say, this is where we draw the line and we're, as a society, we're not, we're not going to... hold this pin this phrase up also, because I'm going to go back to it. We're not going to let this stuff get out there. You think there's any line?
1: So I definitely don't agree with a, a ton of content that is out there. It's something I would never watch. It's something that I don't understand or necessarily think is healthy to to consume. But I do think at the end of the day, when you have a, a, fr- a relatively free market or a free market, that those companies, those sites aren't going to be able to publish that if people aren't paying for it. So I think we do we do say that this isn't okay by not by not like voting with your dollar. Right. So if you don't like violent content, don't watch it, don't give them your money, don't give them the likes and the views and all of those things. And I think holistically, most of us fall in line with that. We kind of say that's not okay. I think there's fringe people on the ends that are watching it. And that's why that content exists. But I wouldn't say that that's healthy. That's normal. Um, or that that should be promoted. And I think most of us are, are in alignment with that. So I don't know that necessarily the solution to that is like a government rule that comes in and says, this isn't okay, because that always gets more focused and more focused and more focused until it's entirely illegal. So I think it's up to the people to say that's not okay and not to continue to support that kind of content.
0: And I do think there's a very big problem. Look, I, I'm very sympathetic to the what you call the religious point of view. And I I don't think there are too many non-religious people who have this point of view anymore.
1: Mm -hmm. I think
0: by overwhelmingly the um, cultural conservatives are coming from a place of a traditional religion. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my favorite people on this topic are Catholics. Mm -hmm. The problem is we have the way we deliver content in the 21st century is entirely personal. When I was growing up, Times Square, you would, you, a parent would be horrified merely to drive his, his car through Times Square with children in it because the, the porn theaters, in those days you had to go to a theater to watch something or go to mm-hmm. a peep show. And they were all, you know, that theater row on 47th, on 42nd between 7th and 8th was all pornography and and really really raunchy stuff right in the face and it was a truly um depressing you know environment so now we've disnified that part of New York City I don't know how often you get to New York of course New York has destroyed itself anyway but so now we have all these pretty theaters and they're almost all these ridiculous shows with You know, whatever. But on the other hand, every home with cable TV or Internet is consuming adult material Mm -hmm. privately. Well, guess what? In the days of Lady Chatterley's Lover and other scandalous books and the days of Deep Throat, law enforcement could seize Materials. They, the, 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 one of the main things the postal inspectors used to do was, you know, find indecent materials that were being sent through the mail, and that was where, they, where the federal government got involved. And you know, there was a way to target it, but now, as you say, people make the choice independently and privately. Mm-hmm. I don't see any way, and I, I, I think there's a lot to be said for having a standard that Mm -hmm. like acknowledging that there's a standard and that there's something called healthy civic choices that we might make as a society about what we're going to say and how, you know, what we're going to choose. And like you said, not necessarily to stick things in people's faces the way even mainstream uh, entertainment does now. For sure. But I think the civil liberties sacrifice would be intolerable if we wanted to go back to a point to a you know prosecution of indecency offenses as they existed before the radical change in first amendment treatment of that material over the last you know couple of generations we'd have to filter the internet and i don't think that's possible without basically you know as you say it becomes pervasive it really becomes pervasive and who's the
1: arbiter of like what's good and what's indecent and then what stops them from someone who's having a conversation about second amendment rights or materials for that so it it just again it'll just continue to expand and i think when you see a lot of like the more conservative republicans that um are really making their campaign on adult material and, and blocking it and making it censored and all that. I feel like there, there are there's so many steps behind already. So when you see web3 and everything is going to be on the blockchain, there's not they're not going to be able to stop it, right? You're going to have decentralized internet. There's no way, right? So again, I think it comes down to us at, on the individual level and what we support and what we don't support. And again, I think most of us are in a healthy place and most of us agree violent porn isn't okay most of us agree that free porn is not okay most of us want to protect the children so i think we need to have like an honest conversation with each other we don't have to agree on a moral on a moral grounds right like that that's fine um
0: and not only that i you know i I think we're saying the same thing which is that you can pretend to oppress to suppress it Mm -hmm. but all you're going to do is drive it further underground exactly i mean look there's a limit that, that argument has a, a fallacy built into it it's the old i'd rather my kids get drunk at home than drink when i'm not here and then the kid goes out and wraps the car around a, a lamp pole because, post because you got them drunk at home right. you know or, or you taught them about how awesome social drinking or social binge drinking is so you know there's a limit to the value of that argument but you have to, but lines are always going to be drawn and There's no way I think to, to, to come to peace with, you know, the the way technology has changed the way we consume the choices that we make. Mm -hmm. Um, Remember when, who was it, who was running for office? Was it, was it George Bush or was it Romney? Someone in some blockbuster or video store in Washington decided to release the, um, the names of the videos that someone had watched, maybe it was Clarence Thomas. I don't remember who it was, but just even that as preposterous as it is and outrageous as it is, you can't even do that now. So, I mean, does the National Security Agency probably have the capability of knowing everything I've ever looked at on every browser under every modality? Most likely. Maybe. That's what everybody seems to say. they I mean, what we always forget is the, is the corollary is that they have so much data that it would, be almost impossible to find it it's in there
1: mm-hmm.
0: what do you think you think candace that we're on a healthy i mean it's interesting because you seem to have come around to a very optimistic framing of life in this world after a, a kind of a rough start you feel as if you've gotten you've ended up in a pretty decent place in your life
1: yeah when i love you... my life i I honestly wouldn't change a thing about it. It's not perfect. And I have my, my struggles, obviously. This world isn't
0: perfect,
1: Right. We were just talking about this opportunity that I lost that we worked our butts off to get, and that's going to continue to happen. And it's just, well, how do I work around that? What's my option three, right? Where's the third door for me to work around? Um, yeah. I mean, again, I wouldn't change anything. I think, it's so much of it is internal locus of control or external locus of control. And which one do you want to pick? And I can tell you, I've lived both ways. And once you start taking accountability and ownership and you create the life that you want, it's so much better. It's so much lighter. Um, so many people, especially now, because we're so addicted to our phones and we were in lockdown for so long and it was our only way to communicate with other people, we've become so addicted to it. And we've been a- addicted to fighting with each other, which is crazy. It's like this weird... Chemical reaction we're getting, and we almost need. So it's recognizing that, like, how much of your, how many of your decisions when you pick up your phone are conscious? Conscious? Are you doing it out of um, like a reflex? Is it a habit? Are you doing something useful? Probably not. So I think I catch myself all all the time going to do it. I'm like, no, and I'll go hide it in a drawer and go outside or go play with my kid. And like, this is not helping me or serving me. So it's just like catching those little things that are adding value to your to your day or to your life.
0: Big picture, though, beyond your pretty happy life that you've built for yourself and that your husband has helped you build. Are you optimistic?
1: I feel like when you become a parent, you have to be. Right, because now you're thinking a generation ahead, and even maybe two, because then you're thinking about grandkids, hopefully, and all of that. So, I think it forces you to be less selfish and more selfless, and to try to do whatever it is in your power to leave a footprint or to create a better environment for for him to grow up in. Um, so, and it's hard
0: to it's hard to achieve when you're pessimistic, right? You need to feel impossible. that there's a chance. Impossible.
1: Impossible. If you're you need to
0: feel that there's a chance that mm-hmm. what you're doing. It doesn't have to be likely, right. but there's a shot. Exactly. You know, my partner, Harmi, Dylan, and I are, are celebrated among our friends for the cases we take on. We lose them. We lose a lot of them. We don't lose all of them. When we win them, we make sure you know, believe me. But <laughs> We have uphill battles on a lot of these because of a lot of stuff that is well beyond our control. But every time we start out, we believe we've got a shot and that the shot has to be taken
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and that's a that's something of course that you're you're teaching your children that you need to try even if you can't necessarily guarantee success
1: right because imagine if you showed up to your client and you're like there's no way we're going to win this you're wasting all of your money this is a guaranteed loss like you're not doing your job and if i did that with my kid i'm not doing my job if i showed up and i was like this world is going to hell there's no saving it the country's over like That I'm not doing my job as a parent.
0: You know, why is it that so many, uh, there's something, for example, like, let's say one of the most frustrating things that's going on is the seeming lack of accountability for people who do things that are wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, Illegal, in fact, outright illegal, and there are no consequences. And then you'll have the rare story of someone being indicted or someone announcing an investigation or someone being convicted. And then hundreds of people rush in and say, "Nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. It's gonna. It's not gonna lead anywhere. It's a dead end." What do you think psychologically is going on there? I have a theory, but I'd like to hear what you think it is.
1: So, why are they assuming that nothing's going to happen, or that? It'll not, be- not only
0: not only assuming it. Why do they go through the trouble of, of firing up the iPhone just so they can get on and say it's not going to help? It's hopeless. It's never going to help. Oh,
1: man, I think. So when it comes to like, well, nothing's going to happen and you can do whatever you want and there's no consequence, I think a lot of that's probably just based off of their experience, maybe with their parenting. I know a lot of um, younger parents don't believe in punishment. It's like this gentle parenting where you're just like their best friend the whole time and there is no wrong and you can just keep trying. There's infinite amount of chances Um that's not going to help them be a resilient adult whatsoever. You don't always get a second chance. I mean, I made a decision with my career and there's very few people giving me a second chance because it's forever on the internet. So you have to kind of also keep them grounded. I think it's it's great to nurture them and to provide a loving environment, but you also have to keep them realistic and treat them how they're going to be treated when you send them out of the house, right? I'm not always going to be there to block every punch for him. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably so, part of it. These are
0: rather old fashioned notions.
1: <laughs> I guess so, yeah, what can I say? I'm a little bit of a traditionalist, but I mean, I see what the other parenting styles Produce and that's not what I want. You know what I mean? Yep. I didn't get that, and I'm I'm much happier with how I am than a lot of people that I see out there.
0: No, I, I I you know having raised four children to adulthood and, you know having a number, a larger number than that of grandchildren who who are being raised similarly, we recognize that you know, you the child must know that the parent is always always loves them, mm-hmm. but not that everything they do is. The right thing to do, and that they right. ha- and that they have to learn and grow, and make their mistakes. Let me tell you though why I think people do it. I think people do it because they can. They're trying to prevent themselves from from hoping. They don't want to be hurt. Mm. You know, it's like the girl. He doesn't even know I'm alive. Like she's trying to convince herself that the guy that she has a crush on. Wouldn't couldn't possibly consider going out with her because she can't come. That would be better than hoping and being and, and, and being disappointed. Mm-hmm. But what it ends up happening is you become a a doom, you know, D- Debbie Downer, you know. Mm-hmm. You're you're everything's is, is hopeless. And, you know, or who was it from Winnie the Pooh, the, um Eeyore. Eeyore. Yeah, it's not gonna help. You know, we don't but have room need- for that. But then you it ha- realize
1: it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? And then when you look at these people's lives, it's like, well, of course, that's what you're that's what you're bringing into your reality. You're saying no one's going to love you. You're saying you're never going to be successful. You're saying that your world is terrible and that you're broke and all of these things. And then guess what? All of that ends up being true.
0: No, So this is part of your mindset training, the, the <laughs> visualization. I hear it. I see it. Candace, I believe
1: are- in it for sure.
0: Well, you believe in it and you seem to have mastered it. And it has been a truly charming opportunity discussing these topics with you. And I thank you very much for, for coming on to the show. And hopefully we will talk again soon.
1: Yeah, I would love that. And thank you for having me
0: on. My pleasure. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.